Well, we've uh, heard this verse quite a bit over the years here at Harvest and even quite a bit over this series. Uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives or our own selves, our lives as well, because you had become very dear to us. And Pastor Eric has already uh, spent some time giving us a preview of what to expect in uh, small groups this, uh, this, uh, this coming fall and talking a lot about the gospel and us sharing the gospel. And uh, then it's my opportunity this morning to spend some time sharing with you uh, my life and what the Lord has been doing in, uh, in our lives over the last uh, few months and, uh, and to talk just a little bit about a sabbatical. If you don't know uh, who I am, I'm uh, Pastor Nick, and I've been the worship pastor here for the last uh, 10 years, coming up here in November, and uh, um, super privileged to be, um, uh, to have been a part of this church before it launched in 2008, and, um, and just super excited to share with you what the Lord's been doing. And before I get too far into that, I just want to say a couple things. Um, one, um, I really want you to know that I don't look at anything that I'm going to say this morning as that we have this figured out and that I've done anything over the last two months that has caused anything to happen. I really want you to see this as my testimony, my God at work in me and uh, what he's been doing, and so please see it as that, and, and hopefully it will be an encouragement to you and, and may even uh, uh, shed some lights in some areas that uh, need that in your heart and life as well. The other thing we wanted to do, um, that, since we had the opportunity to, was just to uh, publicly thank you. Thank you as a church body for the way you guys sent us off um, back at the beginning of May and all the cards and all the encouragement that you guys gave us at the end of that awkward service uh, right before we left. Um, that, was, um, that was so encouraging to us. We felt loved and appreciated, and so thank you for that. Well, it was back in uh, the fall of 2016 that uh, Doug came to me and said, uh, the, the, the elders and I have decided that we want to put together a, a sabbatical structure for our staff, and we just think it would be good uh, to, uh, to, to help our guys stay healthy over the years and just something that we'd like to do. And, and uh, so it's 10 years for you and I next year, and so 2017 will be our opportunity to do that. And, told us about six weeks of, of sabbatical, and then he goes and, and gets some bad news from his um, doctoral project and finds out that he has this year to finish it, and so sabbatical was not in the plan for him, and so um, the Tynan family became the sabbatical guinea pigs, and so, so he kind of outlines for us, we got six, six weeks, you can put a couple weeks of vacation in that too to extend it if you want, and so we had eight weeks, this eight-week gift uh, from our church uh, to enjoy and to, to do sabbatical, and attached to this gift of sabbatical for us was just quite a bit of unknown. Um, I mean, when you hear the word sabbatical, you're kind of like, that sounds cool. What is it? Is it a vacation? Is it a study break? Really, what is sabbatical? And so we had a ton of questions. 
Um, and then there was also attached to it this kind of fear for us, like this fear of we have eight weeks and we don't want to waste it. What a gift, and we don't want to waste it. And so Jill and I began a, a journey last fall going into the beginning of this year, just kind of, kind of studying some things, found some books. Doug had, had given us some books and then um, began studying a little bit about sabbatical, and then he kind of expressed to us what his desire and heart was for this, um, this thing for us. And uh, we, from that, we came up with these three goals that we wanted to use to kind of help our planning and to help our thinking towards in, in, uh, in our eight weeks. And so they were uh, rest, renew, and realize were the three goals. And like any good pastor, three R's start with R's so that we can remember them because we're not as sharp as some other people. So, but uh, uh, rest. Rest sounded very appealing to us. We had been... Uh, We had launched this church with Doug and Karen 10 years ago, and then before that, we had had six years prior of ministry, some of them good, some of them very difficult, and uh, so rest was something that we're like, that has to be a part of this eight weeks, and uh, by God's grace, we were able to do that, and so rest was a big part. Renew was was another big part that we wanted uh, wanted to have happen. We wanted to renew relationships. Renew relationships with the Lord. I, I, I didn't feel like um, I was far from the Lord by any means, but I did sense after some years of ministry and just some habits of 15 years of, of marriage and all that that there's just been some places that, yeah, I think it could use uh, some renewing of relationship with the Lord. And then we really wanted to see some renewal in relationship with uh, ourselves and our marriage and uh, in our family. I wanted to renew some relationships with Ian. Ministry just pulls a lot at your, uh, at your evenings and your family times, and sometimes family time gets put us pushed to the side and uh, ministry comes first. And so these eight weeks were a, a time to, to rest and renew and then realize And realize for us was kind of a realization of what does the next 10 years of ministry look like? What what does God want us to do? What what can we dream and vision for the next 10 years of ministry? And uh, so we had our three goals. We had um, rest, renew, and realize. But I really needed some help figuring out, okay, what do we do in those eight weeks that would make those three things happen? And so I sought out some friends because no one around here has done sabbatical since I was the guinea pig, and so I couldn't ask them. So I sought out some friends from ministry, uh, from college, actually, who were, who were in ministry and had done a sabbatical um, actually last summer. One, is, one guy's name is Kyle Estep. He's a, a pastor down in South Carolina. He's actually been to Harvest before, well, back in the days when we were in a theater and spoke uh, one week. And then another buddy of mine from college, his name's Jason Bradshaw. Bradshaw. He's a church planter in Dayton and uh, used to be a worship pastor. And so um, I called those guys up and said, they're sending me on sabbatical. Help me out. And what do I do with that? And what did you guys do? And, and what kind of things uh, worked and what didn't work? And give me the lowdown on this sabbatical thing. And by God's grace, after some conversations with those guys, I ended up getting some fantastic, godly, practical advice 
Um, and uh, this advice was really the catalyst uh, to a multitude of things that God wanted to do uh, in me during those eight weeks. And so this morning I want to share with you a, f- those, a few of those catalysts and just kind of tell you some of the things that we actually did realize uh, during our time. Um, so the first catalyst um, is going to come as probably um, not much of a shock but the first catalyst was shutting down my phone. Shutting down my phone was a a catalyst to a lot of things that God wanted me to realize in my life. Uh, Kyle told me in his sabbatical, his church, like it was a requirement. You have to shut down your phone. You can't be on social media. You have to shut down your email. No text messaging. Hand your phone over to your wife. You're disconnected. No more of that uh, in your life during your sabbatical. And uh, he said to me, I think you should do that. I think it was a really good thing. I think that's something that would be really helpful for you. And so um, I listened to him, and uh, I did that. And by God's grace, I was able to, over the first few days of our sabbatical, get everything kind of turned off and shut down and out of office replies. And, uh, and then a few days later, I started having some really strange thoughts. And the thought was, I think I might be addicted to my phone. And um, addiction may sound like a strong term to describe what was going on, but I really do think it was, it was really accurate. My first moments and my last moments and every spare moment in between was spent on my phone. I, uh, I would go to my phone for all sorts of reasons go to it for news, for social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, text messages, phone messages, YouTube, videos of cats, Netflix, anything. I would go to it all day, all the time. And I'll never forget, about a week into this experiment of shutting my phone down, I got the courage to say out loud what was going on in my head, that I think I may be addicted to my phone. And so I looked at Jill and I said, you know, I think I might be addicted to my phone. And she looked back at me and she gave me this very bewildered look on her face. Come to find out later, she was actually trying to stop herself from laughing at me. Um, because she'd been trying to tell me for years, like, hey, I think you're on your phone too much. I think you're, you're spending a lot of time on your phone. And uh, I would just brush her off and say, no, I'm fine. I got things to do. I'm so important, you know, all these things going on. Um, And I couldn't see it when she was telling me because I was in the middle of it. I was still doing it. But once I shut it down, I saw it. I felt it. I began to understand what it had done to me I realized that I was addicted to distractions. I was addicted to mind-numbing entertainment. Realized I was retreating to my phone rather than engaging in life and relationships and the real people standing around me. Because I was addicted to my phone, I, I realized I wasn't present with my family. I would retreat to my phone and ignore them in the evenings. I realized I wasn't present at work. When I got to something hard or something I didn't want to do, I'd pick up my phone because it was a whole lot easier and gave me exactly what I wanted. 
I realized I wasn't present in meetings. You know that thing that we do when we sit down with people at a table or at coffee or even a a meeting at work, we set our phones down right in front of us just to make sure that there's something that doesn't need my attention in the middle of this meeting, even though there's real people around me. Yeah, I, I was that guy. I was doing that all the time. And honestly, I could go on and on and I could give you list after list of things that I realized I had been doing because I was addicted to my phone um, and it would spend the rest of the time that I have here today. But I've actually written a blog post about my journey with uh, turning off my phone and it's gonna post right now. It's posted at 12 p.m. here. Um, and uh, you can check it out on the website maybe after service today. If there's anything going on in your heart that you're like, ooh, um, yeah, that describes me. Read that post. I think it may help. Um, so I have some new rules, and I have some new fences around my technology and around, uh, around my phone now that we've come back, and uh, by God's grace, doing life a whole lot differently. Uh, normally, I would stand here, and there would this this thing in my pocket, and there's not anything in my pocket besides a couple of guitar picks right now. Um, it's sitting in my desk in my office, and it's just one of the new rules on Sunday morning for me. The phone goes away. I'm with people. I don't need my phone. You're all here. You don't need me now that uh, we're all together. So some really cool things that um, I'm excited that the Lord has been teaching me through that catalyst of shutting down my phone. And... Uh, and honestly, if the eight weeks had only been for that one thing in my life, it would have been totally worth uh, doing it, and it was such a massive impact. But the Lord is relentless in his pursuit of us, and that wasn't the only thing that I learned. And so the second catalyst the Lord used in my life uh, for change was reading. And uh, I'm not a reader, I like the idea of reading, okay? Um, I read scripture, you know, probably not as much as I should, but read that, and then I read whatever Eric said we needed to read in small groups. Yep, no problem. Support the team. But beyond that, I was not a reader. I actually saw reading as like, okay, that is a great opportunity for a nap because I'm two senses in and I'm narcoleptic and I'm asleep. It's just what it did to me. And um, so, um, but all of a sudden I was without my phone. I was without a job. And so I had a lot of time on my hands. And my buddy Kyle had said to me, you need to read during the time. I'm like, okay. So I'll read, and he gave me some, some book options, and I found some books that I thought would be good, and um, so I decided to start reading and, and do that. And so Jill and I hopped on a plane during our first week down to, uh, to Naples, Florida, and uh, I started reading this book called Reset, and the subtitle was uh, Grace-Paced Living in a Burnout Culture. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like a sabbatical book. That would be really good. Um, reset, Grace-Paced Living in a Burnout Culture. So I'm in the middle of the introduction of this book on a Southwest flight to Florida, and I have tears running down my face 
as I'm reading this introduction because it's like, it's like calling me out. It's like knows me. I'm like, what is going on here? And I've got tears on my, on my face. Jill's looking at me like, are you okay? She's thinking like, do you not want to go to Florida with me or what's going on here? Um, and what, what was going on was I was reading this about grace. Absent is the moderating power of grace. Alongside Mr. Grace, Mr. Perfectionist, also known as Nick Tynan. I added that in. That wasn't in the book, but it might as well have been. Uh, Mr. Perfectionist takes pride in flawless performance. If he ever makes a mistake in his work, he berates and flagellates himself. He carries this legalistic perfectionism into his relationships with God and others, resulting in constant disappointment in himself and others and even God. Mr. Mr. Grace, on the other hand, his work is just as high quality as Mr. Perfectionist, but Grace has moderated his expectations. At the foot of the cross, he has learned that he's not perfect and never will be. He he accepts that both his work and his relationships are flawed, but instead of tormenting himself with these imperfections, he calmly takes them to the perfect God, knowing that in his grace, this God forgives every shortcoming and lovingly accepts him as perfect in Christ. He doesn't need to serve, sacrifice, or suffer his way to human or divine approval because Christ has already served, sacrificed, and suffered for him. Without moderating grace, we just run and run and run until we run out. And so during this book reset, I realized that there were so many directions in my life that weren't full of grace. And they were heading me towards burnout. And I didn't even know it. I didn't feel it. I didn't know that I was heading towards burnout, but I was. The common graces of sleep, exercise, peace, relaxation, a good diet, friendships, reflection, and fellowship with God had all been replaced by more productive things. No time for Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And so beginning with this book reset and then seven books later, God was taking me to the mat and teaching me a ton of things about some deficiencies in my life. One of those deficiencies I I read in another book called Humility by C.J. Mahaney and realized that I struggled with pride in so many areas and that pride wasn't going to be a once and done battle for me, but it was going to be a daily die to self. I read another book on Sabbath called The Rest of God by a guy named Mark Buchanan. And I realized that while maybe I had been taking a day off over the years, I hadn't really been taking a Sabbath like unto the Lord and like the Lord had intended it to be. And uh, if you're interested in more, learning more about Sabbath, I actually will have another blog, coming, blog post coming out in the next couple weeks uh, that will talk about Sabbath. And, um, and then I read another book called The Imperfect Pastor where I realized that the, sex, the success that I often desire in ministry 
isn't the same type of success Jesus and scripture calls us to. Ultimately, what I realized in all of this reading is that the reason I wasn't a reader is because I wasn't a learner and I was full of pride and I wasn't a listener. I was quick to speak and very slow to listen. And I didn't think other people had things that were something that I need to listen to and so I had a lot of stuff backwards in that. And so, like I said, I read eight books and during sabbatical and I've continued to read since and continued to learn since and I'm not saying any of that to pat myself on the back. I'm actually saying I'm trying to make up for lost time because of my pride. And so, um, but I really do believe this discipline, this catalyst of becoming a reader and a learner is going to make a massive difference in years to come. And so, I had shut off my phone, I had become a bookworm, and uh, this last catalyst that I wanna share with you uh, is called Be Intentional. And uh, it didn't come about from one of the guys saying, hey, you should be intentional. It came about by listening to Jason talk about his days on sabbatical. And he, and he told me, he's like, I had a schedule. From seven to eight, I would get up and run and exercise. From eight to 10, I would spend time reading with the, and studying and, and doing that kind of thing with the Lord. From 10 to two, I would spend time with my family. We'd have lunch together. We'd enjoy time together. From two to four, and he, like he kept going all the way through the entire day, and he had like a bedtime. And, and I'm just like, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> that doesn't sound like rest at all. It sounds like work. And, um, but then the other thing that I started thinking about was I'm not sure I'm that intentional with my regular life even outside of sabbatical. And if I was to analyze my days, it would be more like I get up at the last second so I can get, uh, get out the door at the, at the right time. I would get to the office and I would work as hard as I could and I would get as distracted by hundreds of things and be pulled in a hundred different directions and, uh, and then I would be exhausted by the end of the day because I had been so busy and then I would end up going home and being so exhausted that I just wanted to hole up in a corner and be left alone and would do the exact uh, minimum that I had to do to keep my family together and then I would sometimes spend some time with the Lord in the evenings because I was a night owl so the night owls spend time with the Lord in the evenings and then um, and sometimes I would get pushed off the table because I was just too tired and then I would numb myself with my phone or Netflix or whatever. I was super busy and I was always tired And yet I looked back on my busyness and I asked myself, what am I accomplishing? What am I really doing with my days? What am I doing with my weeks, my years? Obviously there were some good things going on, some things flourishing, but then there were a lot of other areas that were super important that were not. And so, um, C.S. Lewis has this quote in screw tape letters. I now see that I spent most of my life in doing neither what I ought to do nor what I liked. 
I look back and I'm like, that's it. I'm not doing anything, not doing what I ought to do. And I'm not even doing things that I like. And so Jill and I began talking about this and and, uh, discussing this issue and this problem and, and we started saying, well, if we keep doing what we've always done, we're gonna keep getting what we've always gotten. And so during sabbatical, we changed it up. An example of that would be just even my time with the Lord. Like I said, I had hidden behind. I do time with the Lord in the evenings because I'm a night owl and I had hidden behind. I don't want it to become just like a rote checklist thing. Uh, You know, I grew up with enough legalism. I'd seen enough of that. I didn't want any of that. And so that's when I did it. And I decided, okay, it's time to make a change there. Uh, So I got up in the mornings during sabbatical and I started my day with the Lord rather than wait till the end of the day. And I quickly realized that my thinking and my actions and my heart throughout the day were completely transformed by setting my heart on the Lord first thing in the morning. And... um, and that's, a, that's been a new pattern that's continued past sabbatical that I'm super grateful for. Uh, an example with Jill and I, we, instead of binge watching a Netflix series like West Wing, we decided we would go out and walk and talk and dream. And uh, I had purposed before we left that I was gonna ask her some questions heart-probing questions, some questions about our past and some questions about our current future, our current state, and then some questions about the future. And so I, I started doing this uh, for a couple days when we got down to Florida, and, and, and she, she looked at me like, what's going on? Are we doing like question of the day or something? And I'm like, yes, that's exactly what we're doing. We're doing question of the day. And so we have question of the day and have so many things to talk about. I mean, we looked at those eight weeks and we couldn't talk about work anymore and it's like, oh no, like, what are we, are we gonna be okay? Are we gonna have enough to talk about over eight weeks? Are we gonna like each other by the end of this time? And I'm really happy to say that we do. And (laughs) we not only just love each other, we really do like each other and um, we continue to have those walks in the evenings and um, talk and uh, probe each other's hearts. And, um, and then I, um, even with Ian, I decided I wanted to be a bit more, Ian's my son. You can raise your hand, buddy, yeah. <laughs> even with Ian, I wanted to be more intentional and renew that relationship in, in some ways. And... Um, Um, instead of waiting for Ian to pester me for something to do, I decided I was gonna go after him and say, hey, you wanna go do this? And uh, instead of always having the answer of, uh, no, I'm too busy when he came to me with something that he did want to do, I, I uh, I needed times in my day where the answer was always absolutely yes. Uh, I'd be happy to do that and um, started um, doing some intentional things to love. Love on my son in new ways. 
So the reality was is these eight weeks were probably the most intentional eight weeks of my life. And um, the fruit was so cool. And so um, I began to, we began to think about, okay, life when we get back, how's that gonna be different? And started dreaming about things that we could do in regular life that we could still have some of these things where we'd have blocks of time with the Lord and blocks of time for working and working hard and then blocks of time for family so that, that those other blocks don't necessarily get in the way of these things and we can actually focus on these things and, and experience them and do them in a more intentional way and we realized that we even needed more intentionality on our Sabbath days, on our rest days. We needed to seek the Lord and uh, just be more intentional in all of life. And I will say we haven't got it all figured out. Like we're getting back and we are struggling through trying to figure out how to implement all these things. And it's gonna take uh, some months and it's gonna take a lot of conversations and a lot of tweaking and a lot of time to find a new rhythm and a new groove but we realize that intentionality, being intentional, has to be a part of the new role in our lives. And so our goals were rest, renew, and realize. And the catalysts were shutting down the phone and um, um, picking up books to read and being intentional. And the reality is those catalysts accomplished those three goals far beyond and deeper than what we could have ever imagined. And if you've noticed in the last, sorry, 25 minutes, I've, um, I've not said once, and here's our new vision for ministry for the next 10 years. Because what I realized sabbatical was for me and for us is that um, it was an, it was an opportunity, it was more about what God wanted to do in me than what he wanted to do through me. I needed to get healthy before I could even think about what was next in ministry. And when we got back, we actually changed that last R word, that realize word, where we realized a ton, but what we realized was is that we needed a reset. We needed to take these 16 years and some bad habits and some things that just weren't going super well and some stuff that we weren't seeing and we needed to hit the reset button on it and start fresh and start anew uh, with some new um, patterns and some new things going on. And so I can tell you that we've come back and uh, we are serving from a completely different place and you, you would maybe look at our day-to-day life and you would think, I don't see a ton different. I, I, some areas I see a ton of difference, but then there's some areas like there's not a whole lot of change there. But I can honestly tell you the thinking, the heart, the intentionality behind everything that we do is completely transformed. And it's radically changed because of what God has been at work in me, in us, and uh, I'm super, super grateful. And so we want to say thanks to you guys for praying for us, thanks for loving us well, thanks for sending us away, and for letting me share with you this morning just God at work. A couple weeks back, Doug preached to us from 1 Thess- First Thessalonians 4.3, and it says, 
For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And God is doing a sanctifying work in me and in my life. And maybe you've been listening this morning and you're like, I want God to do a sanctifying work in me too. And what are some areas that could be catalysts for you? Um, and so why don't we use this, uh, this song that we're going to sing together to cry out to the Lord and be intentional about dedicating our lives to the Lord. And um, let's see God at work in our lives.